Hey, this is Dan Wunderlich from Defining Grace, and welcome to Art of the Sermon, a show for preachers, teachers, and communicators. My guest today is Kenny Jang. He's a church communications expert, a social and digital strategy consultant, and he's also got a brand new project called Church Butler, which we'll hear about a little bit later on in today's interview. Well, my guest today is Kenny Jang, who is a church communications expert, a social and digital strategy consultant, and he's got a brand new project called Church Butler, which we'll hear about in a little bit. Kenny, how are you doing today? Fantastic. Great to be with you today. Awesome. Well, from time to time, I like to have church communications folks here on the podcast because the art of the sermon doesn't just begin and end in the pulpit. Our proclamation of faith is a part of uh, a lot of what we do in ministry, including communications. And we've had folks like Brady Shearer from Pro Church Tools, Jonathan Howe from Lifeway, and Jay Cranda, the online pastor from Saddleback. But for our listeners who aren't familiar with you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself as well as your work? Sure. Um, I am a entrepreneur and communicator in my DNA, I would say. Um, I've got a background in the marketplace, um, whether it be strict advertising agency, PR, brand management, et cetera, doing different disciplines in communications, um, as well as uh, startup and entrepreneurship management. Um, And so as a second career, after my MBA, I went back and got my Master's of Divinity and then went back into the ministry. And so for the last uh, six years or so, I've been actively pastoring um, at uh, churches in the New York, New Jersey area, and most recently at Liquid Church, where I was the media and innovation pastor and church online pastor there. Um, and all the while, um, helping nonprofits, cause-driven, and church ministries do their thing in terms of getting the word out, really equipping them to engage with their audiences and further the communications. So... Um, being the practitioner and the consultant has given me a, a really different, unique lens um, at times, which I think has been very helpful to the organizations that I've partnered with. That's great. And as someone with communication in your DNA and also a background in the church, do you have any philosophies or maybe even a mission statement or guiding principle for your work when it comes to communication? Yeah, I think it's um, bias for action and putting your audience first. I think too many times, it's it seems intuitive, but so many times we really come across projects or coaching opportunities here. And when we break it apart, it's the actual target audience is not anywhere in the equation. And Mm. so uh, I think that's part of the failure of the church at large today. It's that we are not really being empathetic with the person we're trying to have receive our message. And so putting the audience first, I think, is a huge thing if you're going to talk about communications and messaging anywhere. And and that certainly applies to preaching as well. How many sermons have you heard given that that have almost nothing to do with the actual people sitting there in the congregation? Absolutely. That leads well into our next question. Uh, In your consulting work, uh, and you have worked with lots of different churches and nonprofits, is there sort of a number one question that churches tend to ask right off the bat? And then if it's different, what's the number one question churches should be asking? Yeah, I think it's um, it comes down to in today's world, uh, the digital and social world is just completely perplexing, confusing, overwhelming for people. So, uh, some of the initial questions we always get is all the tactics. How often should I be posting to Twitter? Should I be doing stuff on Snapchat? Um, what what types of content should I be putting out? How often should I be putting out? When should I be posting? So, those are the types of questions we get. But truly, the, that's the wrong question to ask. I think, again, it has to go back to a framework that we've pulled together called SWAT, S-W-A-T, over the years of working with many different organizations. It's helped us really convey the proper 
approach to any piece of communications where S is the sub-audience. Really niche down and talk about a sub-audience in your mind. Um, the W is to define the win, not for you, but for that audience from their perspective. And that's going to determine what type of A, activities that you might try to get them to do, what behavior you're trying to lead them in. And that will determine the tactics of the technology, the T in SWAT, that you can execute against. So um, typically it's a, you know, we say every, all smart people do things backwards. You got to start at the end <laughs> right. and work your way backwards. Well, and I would think one of the, the biggest disconnects is, is not just that churches don't understand their target audience, but even when they do, they tend to put the focus on themselves. All of our church websites and Facebook profiles have our building or, you know, as the, as the main feature or a photo of our pastor as hip as they look in their skinny jeans. That's the splash photo uh, there on the website. But, but we're making ourselves sort of the focus and ourselves the hero. So are, are there little uh, just like simple tweaks like that that churches can do? To, to take the focus off of uh, ourselves and put them on the people we're trying to reach? Yeah, if you look at some of Donald Miller's work with StoryBrand, one of the things he says is the hero shot has to be the people you're reaching and the transformation that they've had. So you make them the hero. It's the same thing in donor development. You're making the donor the hero. Same thing in volunteer management. You're putting them in the spotlight. It's not about you, it's about them. And one of the key things that you learn uh, from Donald Miller's teaching is that your role and your job is not to be the hero. You are the guide. You are the sage, the seer, the person who accompanies them and brings them along that hero's journey. So that hero shot, that, you know, that thing that you're going to focus on is not yourself, but it is what transformation is going to happen because they are part of your community. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and this can sometimes maybe... Uh I think maybe with the wrong perspective, sound off for pastors to say, but Jesus is the hero. But uh, I love Donald Miller's work, and he, and he always frames it in this idea of the journey. And so what is the journey? What is the change that happens in discipleship? And that's people going from uh, people of non-faith or people of you know faith that could use development into people who are growing in discipleship. And so the journey is always bringing people towards Jesus. And so Jesus is the hero with the capital H, but I love what you're talking about, keeping the, the actual change, because all of our mission statements are we want to make disciples disciples, that means that our focus should be on the people who can be better disciples. Am I kind of getting that right? Oh, definitely. And you got to remember, you you know, who are you really trying to communicate with with your website? Is it your own people, your people that you're trying to make disciples of, or is it the people who have yet to know Jesus? And those are the people that need to be able to self-identify themselves and say, hey, that looks like me. That actually could be me, but yet there's something different. There's something that they have that I don't have. And, and that journey is the process where you earn the right to, in relationship to share about Jesus Christ, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, let me ask you this. A fair number of folks in our audience are solo pastors or they're leaders in small to mid-sized churches. And uh, when folks who don't have a whole lot of volunteer help or don't have a staff or maybe don't even have a large budget, when they start to look at social and digital ministry, it can get really intimidating really quickly. Uh, and it seems like in order to do it well, you've got to put so much time and effort and sometimes even money into it that they feel like it's just not worth it for them. And so if you were to make the sales pitch to a solo pastor or the pastor in a small to mid-sized church, why for them should online and digital ministry be a priority? Yeah, I think it's um, you need to bring the gospel to where the people are. In, in today's world, people are 
um, online. They are virtually managing their relationships and their communications with others online, and that's where they need to be. That's where you need to be. I mean, just even physically, just think about it. It's a little sad state, um, but if you go into any cafe, restaurant, or anything, people are not even talking to each other, head their heads down yeah. in that digital world. And so to get their attention, you really need to show up where they are right now. That's great. And is there uh, maybe a simple framework or the start of a strategy that uh, a small church pastor or a solo pastor could could start with if they are the ones that feel like they have to take this on and get it started? Yeah, I think, you know, you start with, you know, any church is a content generation machine. And by that, I mean the sermon. And I think, you know, your sermon development process throughout the week is something that you could utilize and riff off of to start to post things on Facebook, on Twitter. Um, those are the things that um, bibliographies, quotes, um, little uh, specific references in the Bible that you see, commentaries, uh, things that you um, are coming across in your normal day-to-day workflow are the things that you need to be sharing so that people get a glimpse of your thought process. It helps people understand the ramp up to Sunday, but it also helps people to process after Sunday uh, throughout the week after they left the church um, so that it really is a process to make disciples not just on Sundays, but all seven days of the week. Um, and then even before that, when we get into a coaching situation with pastors or other leaders, what we try to do is we actually don't even get them to work on social for the organization first. We actually do it for themselves. Everybody, including pastors, um, need to find the with them the what's in it for me in social. They need mm-hmm. to understand and believe in the value of why should I be on Facebook or why should I be on Twitter or why should I be on Instagram before they're going to use it for their organization. If they, if they don't see the potential and they don't, their creative minds are not lit up because they see just what you can do with it personally, then they will never be able to apply you know, real magic to the organization's social media channel. So uh, we, we say, hey, let's find a hobby. Let's find some authors. Let's find things that you are personally interested in. Try to connect with those people. Try to find other like-minded people on the Internet. Get into some affinity groups and, and discussion groups that serve your personal needs. Figure out why social is so um, enticing to the rest of the world. Find the what's in it for me, and then we can start to talk about how to apply it for your church and ministry. That's so great. And and I, I will admit that even though I'm a millennial and I have my face in my phone all the time, I realized it was a problem when I was in campus ministry. And for Halloween, one of my students dressed up as me for Halloween and having an iPhone and staring into it was part of their costume. So <laughs> I knew I had a problem, but still every once in a while, um, I just want to delete my Facebook and I just want to get off these places that don't seem to have any value. But then uh, last fall, uh, Brady Shearer mentioned this church communicators Facebook group that you're uh, a big part of. Uh, and so I'd heard your name a bunch of places before, but when I finally joined that group, I, it was like discovering, oh, there is a place on Facebook outside of my family and close friends for people who think like me and have the same questions that I do and have the same interests. And just having that Facebook group, uh, has sort of reawakened for me, the possibilities of what Facebook can be. And so like, like you said, before you try to make it this day in day out, you know, grind that you feel like you have to do as part of your job, maybe like you said, find ways that it can that that it can fill you up, uh, and find ways that it can inspire you, and then that can then in turn inspire what you post and and how you interact with your community. 
Yeah, it's really it's really about understanding what people are doing today. Ninety seven percent of millennials, and I think every church wants to attract the eighteen to thirty four year old set. Ninety seven percent of them are mobile users, right? And mm. um, over twenty percent of those people never even use a desktop computer at all, ever. Um, and so crazy. we've gone to a place. It's we've leapfrogged in terms of how people are using technology. And then if you say even the older generations, they're not using social media. Yeah, they are. If you look at the numbers, right, well, let's, let's go on, not on feelings, but on facts, right? Snapchat, uh, the users aged 25 or more are growing two times faster than those that are under 25. Mm. In fact, 50% of all new Snapchat user accounts belong to people uh, over the age of 25. 60% of uh, the Americans in, the, in that uh, 13 to about 38 age group are on Snapchat already. So even Snapchat, which is everyone loves to put it down and say it's just for those teenagers, um, the, the people are there. Um, yeah. and we know Facebook is, you know, it's middle school for 40 year olds, right? Everyone <laughs> on, on Facebook today. So, uh, if you're, if you're serious about reaching people in your community, in your town, wherever you're listening right now, those people are on Facebook, they're on Instagram, they're on, they're on the digital social channels. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I heard this somewhere when, when you start to see companies like Coca-Cola and Disney jumping into a platform like Snapchat, it means that's where the people are. And it also means that it's not this, not at least entirely this dark seedy place that, that youth directors used to think it was. Oh, completely. It is, it has grown up and has become professionalized, has become structured. It definitely has been a place that you need to start to think about. It, it comes down to, we used to make fun of the older generation, right? Where, um, are you the, is, are you, do you have parents or grandparents where their VCR is still blinking on 12 o'clock, <laughs> right. 12 o'clock, 12 o'clock, right? Yeah. Um, and the question is, do you want to become that old fogey and have completely an irrelevant um, point of view to how culture and society is operating today? Well, and there are lots of different uh, individuals and organizations out there that are available to help out the church, and you are certainly one of those people. And you have this new project, uh, Church Butler, that I think really has the opportunity to help out that pastor that feels like they don't have a ton of time or they don't uh, intuitively grab onto technology the same way that other people do. Church Butler is a really great new service that I'm excited about. And so why don't you tell us a little bit about Church Butler? Yeah, church, it's a personal project that came out of a passion. We've been helping churches over and over again. Typically, projects help larger organizations and churches, but the small pastor, the solo pastor, you got to remember over 50% of churches today in this country have 100 or less attendees. So it's nothing to feel bad about. You are the norm if you're in a smaller church, and that means you don't have the resources, you don't have the team or talent, and you might not have a specialization of communications there. So people are you know, um, sharing jobs and responsibilities. Social media is one of them. And so we decided how, we, how can we help that church pastor or team that might have one assistant pastor or volunteer, et cetera. And so Church Butler is aimed to be a service on a monthly basis uh, we will produce professionally designed graphics for every single day of the month for your church. Um, and there's even options where if you give us the keys to your social media accounts, we'll post them and schedule them for you every single day so that all you need to do is get on there and engage, ask questions, have conversations, etc. Um, and more important than the actual graphics and content, because graphics and content becoming a commodity, is one of the things that we've overwhelmingly heard from pastors is that they need training. They need training for themselves, and they need training for their, their volunteers and their staff. And so part of the site is going to be um, releasing monthly video 
um, modules and contents for all skill levels um, so that they could be used for training and development on social. So over time, you really get some competencies. It's not just a service where it's, you're living on a treadmill and you're at the, you're at the mercy of the service because you're, you're never learning anything about you know, how it's being used. That's great. And um, now I am a United Methodist pastor and we have listeners from all different backgrounds, all different denominations and non-denominations uh, from all over the world. But we do have a fairly sizable United Methodist listener base since kind of that's where we started. And you have done work over the years with United Methodist Communications and you are sort of teaming up to create a, a section of Church Butler that aims at United Methodists. And so Church Butler is available to everybody. All of our listeners, you can go to butler.church to learn about it. But if you are a UMC-specific church, you can go to umc.butler.church. And and Kenny, can you tell us a little bit about what uh, is specifically there for the United Methodists? Yeah, so um, if you are part of that UMC denomination, there's a lot of content that could be um, published and utilized on your social media channels that are specific to your faith community, right? And so um, because we have such a strong partnership with UMCOM in Nashville, um, we are producing content that's branded as well as specific to the UMC experience. So whether it be uh, free content that helps you promote any of the six special Sundays or the advance or other UMC very specific causes and themes, those are the things that will be available um, inside the site as well for UMC-specific churches. That's great. And now, uh, our, the last question that I like to ask all of our um, church communications folks, because it's always interesting to see uh, people prognosticate the future, but are <laughs> there any new developments or things just over the horizon, uh, or even things that are starting to get uh, taken up by uh, the business and social world that the church should keep an eye on when it comes to social and online ministry? Yeah, I think um, I've declared 2017 as the year of video. I think we are going to see video explode. Facebook has predicted that within five years that 95% of all content on Facebook is going to be video. I think it's going to be faster than that. Um, You're seeing it right now. Um, And Facebook has now become uh, what television used to be. Um, And television itself has become what radio used to be. No (laughs) one really sits down for scheduled TV programs anymore, but now you're going to start to see that um, on Facebook with Facebook Live and the proliferation of other options out there. So video, I think, is something that everyone needs to start to think about. And then just to push the envelope further, it's virtual reality. And that's going to actually impact the art of the sermon as well, because you're going to start to think about um, how you are preaching and delivering your messages in a recorded environment where people could be, you know, immersed in the physical environment that you are actually preaching in as well. Uh, 360 video, virtual reality, people are going to be able to be sitting in the pews right in front of you as if they were there on Sunday. And so how do you then start to engage and disciple that audience as well. That's amazing. And and, actually, and I'm dating myself a little bit, but way, way back, um, I interned for a summer at Relevant Magazine uh, during the summer that Rob Bell launched the NUMA series. And I remember how oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. how crazy NUMA was and how it became the thing that all of the youth groups and summer camps were watching all the time. And it was essentially this cinematic sermon. And so I, I can't wait till we see sort of the NUMA of the VR world. Definitely. And, you know, I think it's as I pastored church online, this last couple of years, one of the, the amazing experiences that people really don't talk about there is that when you have people in the same room making conversation about the sermon topic that are from different continents, 
what happens is people start to bring the diversity of their worship experiences, their assumptions, their cultures, their backgrounds, um, into interpreting how that message is received. And that's the beauty of those type of communities. Virtual reality is just going to amplify that and accelerate that even more. That's amazing. Now, we have a set of questions that we like to ask all of our guests, and the first one you can answer either or or both. What's been one of your biggest challenges or favorite experiences from working either with the specific churches you've served or churches you've consulted with when it comes to, to communication? Um, I think one of, in terms of a challenge, I think it's probably getting everybody on board. Uh, many times we compartmentalize communications and don't realize that um, the whole living, breathing purpose of your organism, your organization um, as a church is communication and that everyone needs to get on board. And so that's one of the big things that we are trying to get in is get buyers buy-in from all the leadership team whenever we go in and help any organization. And who have been some of the most impactful communicators in your life, religious, non-religious, sort of anyone out there? Yeah, I think it's the the ones that everyone has heard of probably before. It's Seth Godin, who's the master of that. I think Donald Miller has uh, been bringing that to the digital web in a very specific, prescriptive way. Donald Miller is a great place to, to explore his content. Um, I think Gary Vee, if you can take his language, is uh, very prophetic in terms of what is going on in the next leapfrog of the media and digital generation of what's going on. So those are three, I think, that are inspiring to me, in fact. Are there any books, podcasts, or other resources that you would recommend our listeners check out? They are, uh, I mean, a ton. I think, first of all, the Ask Gary Vee show is a, a must-read, as, long as, his, as well as his book, Jab, 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 Right Hook. I'm a big fan of that. Um, and then Brady's got a great uh, podcast. He actually has a new um, copycat video uh, podcast coming out, right? Ask uh, Brady, which is a, a great one. The Unseminary podcast, I think, is very practical. Rich Birch's stuff there is just amazing. Um, just tons of content out there that's very practical. Um, and we'll be launch- launching our Church Butler one soon. I hope to see everyone on that one, too. Yeah, absolutely. And then finally, if folks out there want to get in touch and say hi, or if they have any questions for you, what's the best way to uh, follow your work? Probably one of the best ways is my favorite uh, network still is Twitter, uh, Kenny Jang there, or you can go to my uh, namesake website and blog, KennyJang.com, and get in touch with me there. Well, Kenny, thank you so much for your time and experience and wisdom today. We really appreciate it. Love it. Uh, Great to be here. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Art of the Sermon. You can find show notes, including links to some of the things that we talked about at artofthesermon.com. As always, I would love to hear what you think about the show, and I want your input to be a part of the conversation. So you can connect with me through Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, all at username Art of the Sermon. If you'd like to support the show, I would encourage you to subscribe to the podcast through iTunes, Google Play Music, or your favorite podcast app so that new episodes are downloaded as soon as they're live. And of course, in addition to sharing the show with your friends, the best way to help us out is to leave a review in the iTunes store. This lets iTunes know that you care about the show and want other people to find it. Thank you again so much for joining me, and I'll catch you next time on Art of the Sermon.